Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have a ton to cover here, and that's exactly what we're going to do the way I do it best. These are uh, issues that are in my wheelhouse, in my zone, and I want to get started immediately. Now, you may have heard some of this today, but you haven't heard from me. So let's begin at the beginning. Nancy Pelosi. Now, Nancy Pelosi may be beholden to the radical leftists in her caucus, but we, the American people, are not. And what's happening here is the most radical elements in our politics, the Talibs, the Omars, the AOCs, and the other reprobates, are driving the agenda, the national agenda, in the House of Representatives and the Democrat Party. And they and some other miscreants and malcontents from dark blue districts where they are elected for life if they wish to be, they're pulling this nation into the abyss. And so Nancy Pelosi wants to be Speaker of the House more than she wants to be a patriot. That goes for a lot of those Democrats in the House of Representatives, as a matter of fact. And so, as the push for impeachment or pseudo-impeachment takes place, Nancy Pelosi becomes the voice for this movement. I told you this before. She's playing a game. People say, oh, she's standing between impeachment. No, she's not. She's playing a game, a strategy. Don't worry, I'll get the Michael Ivan. I'm going to get to all this today. And so... There's to be a big meeting at the White House to discuss $2 trillion in infrastructure spending. Now, we know what the Democrats typically do. They use this for pork barrel spending. Remember the trillion-dollar bill that Obama put through that was supposed to create jobs, and most of it went to pork barrel spending. And so they were going to meet. They were going to take a very close look at what it was that the Democrats were going to propose, look at the various proposals and so forth, look at different ways for funding it, But before she goes to meet with the President of the United States, Nancy Pelosi unleashes an attack on the President of the United States. Cut one, go. Excuse me, right now, the Judiciary Committee is marking up the Dream Act. We do have our our, uh, legislative agenda that we're moving forward on. Uh, It was a very positive meeting, a a respectful sharing of ideas, and I think... uh, very impressive presentation by our chairs. Uh, would you believe that it's important for the, to follow the facts? Uh, we believe that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States, and we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up, in a cover-up, and that was the nature of the meeting. 
president of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Of what? Because he asserts executive privilege on behalf of the office of the presidency? Because he doesn't believe his private financial information should go to the Democrats in the House of Representatives? will try to use his private inf- information for propaganda purposes and have the Democrat Party press do their bidding? He's engaged in a cover-up? They have no predicate that he's done anything wrong with his taxes or his financial information, but they want to be able to second-guess it and draw attention to this side or the other for political purposes. We know the president hasn't committed a crime. He's already been investigated and cleared because no charges were brought against him and even more importantly no attempt was made to bring charges against him a cover-up the issue scores of subpoenas and because these scores of subpoenas which are outrageous these scores of subpoenas are not immediately honored by the President of the United States, who has the right to assert privileges on behalf of the executive branch. Because of that, he's involved in a cover-up, you see. So they were supposed to have this meeting. And of course, the President of the United States sees this. He sees that one of the people he's meeting with has now accused him of criminal behavior has now accused him of something he's not doing. Who's leading the pack of wolves and mobsters that she has appointed to these various chair positions to try and destroy him personally, financially, and politically. And accuses him not once but twice of a cover-up, emphasizes the word cover-up. And now they're supposed to sit down like nothing's been done, like nothing's been said on an infrastructure bill. Well, this president doesn't play games like that. He's not going to smile and sit there and play along with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. These people are trying to kill him politically and professionally. They hate him because he stands in the way of their choice. First Hillary and now whomever. And so the president responds, like you and I would respond, like any rational human being would respond. You're not going to sit down and do a deal with somebody who just accused you of a crime. And what is this now? Members of Congress can walk around accusing a president of criminal behavior without a single indictment, without any, any evidence whatsoever to support something. And then they say, well, we don't have to meet that standard. You just accused him of a crime. What standard do you have to meet? No standard. They just blurt these things out. Gerald Nadler did the same thing the other day. The president has committed crimes. Who says so? The president of the United States cannot, must not be blackmailed by the Democrat House of Representatives. He must not serve at their demand. He's not their staffer. He's not a defendant to the House of Representatives. This isn't a courtroom. 
So the president replied the way he should have replied. Cut to go. So I came here to do a meeting on infrastructure with Democrats, not really thinking they wanted to do infrastructure or anything else other than investigate. And I just saw that Nancy Pelosi, just before our meeting, made a statement that we believe that the president of the United States is engaged in a cover up. Well, it turns out I'm the most and I think most of you would agree to this. I'm the most transparent president probably in the history of this country. Uh, We have given on a witch hunt, on a hoax. The whole thing with Russia was a hoax as it relates to the Trump administration and myself. It was a total horrible thing that happened to our country. It hurt us in so many ways. Mm hmm. Cut three. Go. Things are going well. And I said, let's have the meeting on infrastructure. We'll get that done easily. That's one of the easy ones. And instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover up. I don't do cover ups. You people know that probably better than anybody. And I was just looking at a list of some of the things that we just did more than 2,500 subpoenas qualified for. And I let everybody talk. I let the White House counsel speak for 30 hours. 30 hours. I have 19 special counsel lawyers, 40 FBI agents. I said, open it all up. Let them have whatever they want. Nearly 500 search warrants. Think of that, a search warrant. Did you ever see a search warrant before? Neither did I. This was over 500 search warrants. And of the 19 people that were heading up this investigation, or whatever you want to call it, with Bob Mueller, they were contributors to the Democrat Party, most of them, and to Hillary Clinton. They hated President Trump. They hated him with a passion. This is so true, and what's being done to him is so grotesque. Cut four. Go ahead. These are the people that, after two years and $40 million or $35 million, it'll end up being a lot more than that by the time all the bills are paid. This is what happened. No collusion, no obstruction, no nothing. They issued... 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers. Think of that, though. 500 witnesses. And then I have Nancy Pelosi go out and say that the president of the United States engaged in a cover-up. Now, we've had a House investigation. We have Senate investigations. We have investigations like nobody's ever had before, and there's nothing, we did nothing wrong. They would have loved to have said we colluded. They would have loved it. These people were out to get us. The Republican Party and President Trump, they were out to get us. This was a one-sided, horrible thing. Cut five, go. There was no collusion. There was no obstruction. We've been doing this since I've been president, and actually... The crime was committed on the other side. We'll see how that all turns out. I hope it turns out well, but to to my way of thinking, and I know a lot of you agree with me, the crime was committed on the other side. 
This whole thing was a takedown attempt at the president of the United States. And honestly, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves for the way you reported so dishonestly. Not all of you, but many of you. The way you reported. So, I've said from the beginning, right from the beginning, that you probably can't go down two tracks. You can go down the investigation track, and you can go down the investment track, or the track of let's get things done for the American people. I love the American people. Cut six. And there was no collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. That's it. But they want to make this a big deal. Whether or not they carry the big I word out, I can't imagine that, but they probably would because they do whatever they have to do. I'll I'll tell you, there's a danger here. If someday a Democrat becomes president and you have a Republican House, they can impeach him for any reason or her. Any reason. We can't allow that to happen. We can't allow it to happen. So when you look at all of the transparency, when you look at all I've done, and I will tell you, my lawyers say, you don't have to do this. You can use presidential privilege. You don't have to let your lawyers and all of your staff testify. You can use presidential privilege, sir. Would you recommend it? Well, you can be transparent or you can be tight. Being, if you've done nothing wrong, being transparent is better. So I said, I did nothing wrong. Let's be transparent. So that's what you have. All of these things. Look at that. All of these things. 500 witnesses that I allowed to testify. It's a disgrace. It is a disgrace. And then right afterwards, Nancy Pelosi is at it again in front of the microphones. Cut seven. Go. Last night, times time in between, the president was making some sounds that we questioned how serious he could be if he was saying what he was saying. And last night, he put forth a letter saying that unless we passed uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada free trade agreement, there was no reason for us to, you know, we couldn't go for it with infrastructure. We didn't see those two as related. But the fact is, uh, hopeful, optimistic, and um, seeing the necessity for a big infrastructure infrastructure uh, initiative for our country we went uh, in the spirit of bipartisanship no you didn't go in the spirit of bipartisanship you accused, accused him of being a criminal would you like that nancy if we accused you and your husband and your children of being criminals because you still won't release your tax returns your office knows i keep asking you to release your tax returns your office knows i keep asking you to release your bank accounts those in your husband. Your office knows I keep asking to release the same records you're demanding from the President of the United States, and you ignore it. I don't expect the press to ask you. They're in your back pocket. But this is a massive show. We've asked the question, why won't you release your information? I understand why a lot of Republicans won't ask, because they don't want to release their information either. So why just the President? Why shouldn't the number three in line to be President, the Speaker of the House, through whom all this legislation and spending and taxation goes through, why shouldn't she and her husband be compelled to release the same information? Go ahead. In common ground with the President on this. Uh, this, he came into the room, made a statement that he made was, uh, I won't even characterize it, but I will say this. And what I said after he left, Thomas Jefferson, when he was president of the United States, ta- 
tasked his secretary of the treasury, Gallatin, to put forth an infrastructure proposal for the initiative for the country. She is a rambling buffoon. I don't know what this has to do with Thomas Jefferson and infrastructure. I'm going to comment on this when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. got more here and I'm going to delve in. By the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you. Uh, we are number one on Amazon on Freedom of the Press. Apparently people are really enjoying this book. The honest reviews, the people who have actually purchased the book and read the book over at Amazon, they're all five stars. You might want to go over there and take a look. And that means a lot of people are going to go over there now and hit, a, hit the one just to create a problem because that's the way the left works. But take a look at them. Uh, I think I've delivered everything I said I would deliver in this book. And uh, I think it's crucially important. And we're going to get into it in more detail as the days go on. I don't want to overwhelm people with it. There's a lot going on, so we'll weave in and out. Uh, but I want to thank you. And I, it's available on every retail store now that you're going to be going into tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. And so uh, it's easy to purchase in those places, too. Everything from Costco to Walmart, Barnes & Noble to Books a Million, Target, um, BJ's, Sam's, you name it, including independent bookstores that may be right down your street, and they need our business too. But I just wanted to say uh, thank you so, so much, and I think this is very, very important. And by the way, I'm going to be on the Shannon Bream show tonight. I've never been on her show at 11.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, man, oh, man, it's 11.10 that's 11 o'clock, 10 minutes after 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Very important when we come back, we're not done. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound 
to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Mark Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Now, I'm not finished here. I want to lay out the facts via the audio clips. We have one more Pelosi and two Schumers. And then I want to jump in with both feet. Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener, I want you to open your mics. We spoke during the break. And you know you can tell me the truth about anything. And they do. And let me start with Mr. Call Screener. You finished the book, right? On Freedom of the Press? Yes, sir. Be very honest. You've read the other books. Give your little critique. Well, we, Like we were talking about during the break, I think this came across both as academic it was definitely right on historically so i think it could be used in the college classroom but it's also like a primer almost like uh the average joe's everyday understanding to what's wrong with the media today i think you spelled it out from a to z let me ask you this you know the early pamphleteers like Payne and others in the early newspapers I tried to kind of follow that kind of logic and flow where they would talk about Montesquieu and Locke, which I don't do here, by the way. But then on the other hand, speak with passion, speak about our principles and that sort of thing. Does that kind of come across? What really comes across, it does. But what really comes across is how fact-based everything was. And for an opinion commentator that you are, it was there wasn't a ton of opinion in it. Everything was backed Mm -hmm. up so well straight through the end notes. And you finished the book? I did, actually. I think the um, epilogue was one of my favorites. How long did it take you to finish the book? Probably three or four sittings on audio. Okay. Let me ask you, uh, Mr. Producer, where are you in the book? Are you in the book? I am in the book halfway through Chapter 7. So you're almost done. I am. What do you think? Excellent. Chapter 7 right now, I told you at the break, summarized perfectly the Trump collusion narrative and what is going on in that three or four or five pages perfect summary and you like this book better than the prior book right rediscovering americanism yeah number one tell this the country the tell the country the truth this is Go truth ahead. this is the top book i think it's perfect all right thank you and i just want you folks to know they tell me the truth if they think a book's too difficult or not and so forth and what i would have done but i couldn't do in this instance is send my book to my father and my mother and have them critique it and my dad and my father in particular was very blunt when i sent him liberty and tyranny 10 years ago i guess almost is it 10 years something like that uh i didn't hear from him about the book for about a week and then he called me he said i want to tell you about liberty and tyranny i said yes you're going to sell a million copies. I said, Dad, people don't sell a million copies. He said, you're going to sell a million copies. I couldn't put the book down. When I sent him the next book, Ameritopia, about a week later, he said, very good book, not so easy. I said, okay. 
Fast forward, when I sent him a copy of Rediscovering Americanism, he thought it was fascinating, but he said the same thing. Very good book, but tough. And then you know what he said to me? Why don't you do your next book like you did Liberty and Tyranny? Write it in that style. Write it that way. Because I think more people will read it. Not that, I, not that I think there's anything wrong with your other books. I'm just saying, if you, if you want to have a broader uh, readership in this particular book. And as usual, he was right. And that's what I did in this book. And I'm going to tell you folks the truth. And I don't mean to be a crybaby. I really don't. It was a tough day for me yesterday. You'd say, Mark, what do you mean? Your book was released. You, you sounded up. You've been on TV. You've been on all these radio shows. You're number one on Amazon. The pre-orders are great. And so, but I couldn't share it with my mom and dad. <clears throat> so it was very tough for me. I'm not whining. I'm just telling you the truth. You're my radio family, and I tell you everything. And I'm also going to tell you my favorite part of the book. My favorite part of the book follows the title page in the book. And it's a dedication to and in memory of my wonderful parents, Jack and Norma Levin. Loving and beloved American patriots and together forever. That's the best part of the book. <clears throat> now we jump back in. Nancy Pelosi. After she leaves the White House, she's angry. She's angry. She accuses the president of cover-up. She accuses the president of crimes. I've never seen anything like this. It is grotesque. So she doubles down. She's at the Center for American Progress, which is a radical left-wing so-called think tank. Cut eight, go. But, I, but this is why I think the president was so steamed off this morning, because the fact is, in plain sight, in the public domain, this president is obstructing justice. And he's engaged in a cover-up. All right, let's stop for a second. When you are legitimately challenging subpoenas in federal court, that's not obstructing justice. That's not obstructing justice. That is legitimately challenging subpoenas in federal court. And let the chips fall where they may, all the way up to the Supreme Court, number one. Number two. The correct phrase in any event wouldn't be obstructing justice since this isn't a criminal justice matter. It would be obstructing Congress. Number three, she says he's engaged in a cover-up. Very clever, and I'm sure we'll be putting a montage together in the next 24, 48 hours where you hear all the media people speak exactly the same way that this is a cover-up. A cover-up of what? His taxes are private. His financial records are private. His bank records are private. It is the Democrats who are demanding access to this information. He's not covering up anything. It's supposed to be confidential. That's, that would be like me saying that Nancy Pelosi's covering up her taxes because I keep demanding them. And she won't release them. Well, who am I? Well, who is she? Go ahead. And that could be an impeachable offense. Ignoring this, ignoring the... Um... So this is supposed to be a think tank, and they're plotting impeachment. 
The Democrat Party, it's enough for her. The Democrat Party has hijacked the House of Representatives, has hijacked these committees, it has hijacked the power behind these committees to subpoena records. It's hijacked the media. And in many cases, it's hijacked various courts. This is a tyrannical party. It's always been a tyrannical party. Party of slavery and segregation, anti-civil rights. Now the party that wants to disenfranchise all you Republicans and all you moderate Democrats and all you independents who dared to vote for Donald Trump. And I'm going to continue to say it is the biggest attempt to disenfranchise the largest number of Americans in American history. They want to suppress the vote that's already been taken. And there's been a recent poll taken. Should the president be impeached? No, overwhelmingly, over 50%. And the public wants Congress to move on with the issues, over 50%. I want to make this warning to Mr. Nadler, to Mr. Cummings, to Mr. Schiff, to Mr. Hoyer, and to Ms. Pelosi. You pull the impeachment trigger, you will see a reaction at the polls. You will see a political reaction, uh, 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 reaction that you have never, ever imagined. You want to listen to clowns like Nadler? You want to listen to clowns like Schiff? Waters, Cummings, you're going to pay a price and you have no idea what that political price is going to be. You are going to infuriate half of this country. You haven't even convinced all the Democrats that this should be done. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, You know what I'm saying is true. You know it's true in your own lives, in your own households, in your own communities. How furious half of this country is going to be. Because we don't like coups in this country. We don't like fraudulent subpoenas in this country. We don't like unfair fights in this country. And I would suggest that these judges in and around Washington, D.C., be very careful, too, because if they want to jump into the political realm, they're going to destroy what's left of their reputations and the reputation of the judiciary. And they will be judged by history. They will be judged by history. The President of the United States is trying to protect his branch of the federal government. It's his duty. It's his sworn duty. And in that, they say he's conducting a cover-up. President of the United States wants to keep his taxes private. They're already with the federal government. They're already at the Internal Revenue Service. They're free to do whatever they want to do, like the rest of us who file taxes. It's not like he's keeping them under his bed. But he chooses to keep his financial information And the enormous investments and the complex investments and all the rest, confidential. So that his political enemies who want to destroy him 
don't have more data, information to twist and spin in their friendly media outlets. Imagine that. And so now they blackmail him. The House of Representatives blackmailing the President of the United States. Either you give us what we do not have a right to. Either you violate separation of powers. Either you give us your private tax returns, your bank account information, the any information you have with your accountant, you give us everything and anything we ask for, or you're covering up and we're going to impeach you. Since when the hell is the Congress of the United States above the law? Just because they issue subpoenas don't make it right. That doesn't make it right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, Levinites, let me tell you what we're going to do. All you Tea Party activists, all you Article 5 activists, all you old Reaganites out there, and all you new Trumpites out there, conservatives all, patriots all, let me tell you what we're going to do. If they dare to bring articles of impeachment against this president, I am going to compile a list of, of Democrats who are in vulnerable districts that are in marginally Republican districts that were able to win by talking about voting against Nancy Pelosi for Speaker, by talking about all the wonderful things they're going to be doing for the country, when in fact they're throwing in with Gerald Nadler, with Elijah Cummings, with Adam Schiff, with Maxine Waters, and yes, Nancy Pelosi. We will begin the process here of removing them from office in the next election, in the presidential election cycle. I will give you their names. We will find out who their opponents are. If you live in their districts, I expect you to be block captains. I expect you to help raise money. We can raise money nationwide. Mark, you're being a partisan for Republicans. Absolutely not. I'm being a partisan for the Constitution. And we here, we're going to stand up to tyranny. I know most hosts say, hey, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not into activism. I am into activism. That's one of the reasons I wrote this book, Unfreedom of the Press. 
I can't step away from this. This is our republic. This is our country. Men and women have fought for it and died for it. I have children. I have grandchildren. So do you. We're not going to sit here and take this crap while they try to remove a duly elected president of the United States, while the state of Nevada is number 16 and trying to destroy the Electoral College today. Do you hear about that one? While the state of New York, another blue state, is going through the back door with a bill of attainder, passing a law aimed at one person, the president of the United States, to force the release of his state tax returns. We're going to sit here and watch this damn tyranny swirling around us? Like hell I am. Mark, why do you yell on the radio? When you're pissed off, what do you do? Whisper? We're going to engage. That's exactly what we're going to do. Enough is enough. We have a man who decided to put on hold his businesses. Who dared to run for president of the United States. Who outsmarted his Republican opponents. He absolutely did. Who outsmarted his Democrat opponent. He outsmarted the press and he won. And ever since he won, they've been trying to destroy him. He's Hitler. He's Stalin. Do you know who Hitler is? Do you know who Stalin is? You fools on the left. Now you Congress people who are hiding, we're going to find your names. In these districts that were once Republican but swung Democrat because of your election, because your lies to the electorate, whether it's Irvine and Huntington, California, whether it's Northern Virginia or Northern New Jersey, we'll find out who you are. I'll make it my business, and nobody's better at this than me. And we're going to make sure Nancy Pelosi's never Speaker of the House again. And we're going to remove Nadler from his chairmanship and Maxine Waters and all these other mental patients. We will remove them from the positions of power. You've just pissed me off. And now you've just, just inflamed the grassroots of millions and millions of patriots. You can play to CNN and MSNBC all you want, and there are 12 viewers. You can play to, the, play to the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post and the reliably left-wing Democrat voters. But you Democrats who pretend to be moderates to get elected, who said you're going to remove Pelosi, you're liars. And we're going to be watching you. You're going to be on our radar screen now. And I'm serious about this. I've never been more serious in my life. Now, I don't know where to start. You'd think with hard evidence from Mueller that there was no collusion, that the Democratic Party media would finally back off. But no, they're incapable of it. Why? They're progressives. They're social activists. Instead, they say it's not over. On to the next fight. Okay. Well, guess what? We're ready for a fight, too. If you haven't gotten your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, please go to Amazon or any other online sales outfit and go ahead and order your copy. I'll be back. He's here. He's here. 
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have a, a Democrat party and surrogates in the media who are demanding that Republicans start to buckle. That Republicans start to come out against the president because they know this would be potentially his undoing. So now that's the pressure that they're placing on Republicans. You could see what Jake Tapper saying to, to the uh, dim-witted Mitt Romney. There's only two of you, you know, you and Justin Amash who are raising quid. The rest of the party's not. Why is that? Oh, good one, Jake. Like we didn't see that fastball at our nose. That's what they're trying. So let me reiterate. These pretend moderates who got elected in Republican districts last time around. They pull this impeachment trigger. You and I, eight and a half million of you out there and millions more on podcast, on the Internet, reading my books, wherever you might be. We're going to target these people politically and we're going to defeat them. And we're going to defeat them. It's that simple. Again, I don't do this because the Republicans. I do this because the Democrat Party is off the rails. And we have to do whatever we can. People, what are we going to do, Mark? Okay, that's my idea. But I need my army of Levinites behind me. I can't do it myself. I have the power of a microphone, but you have the power of the grassroots. Just like with the press. Now we have another federal judge, another Obama appointee. How is it that the Democrats in Congress keep getting Obama appointees? A New York judge this time, an Obama appointee, by the name of Edgardo Ramos, New York judge, Washington Times, refused today to block congressional subpoenas seeking financial records from two banks that did business with President Donald Trump, making it clear it wasn't a close call. U.S. District Judge Eduardo Ramos said in a, <clears throat> excuse me, I just kind of blew it here, said in a uh, uh, ruling delivered from the bench. So he, he rules from the bench. He gives an oral ruling that Trump and his company were highly unlikely to succeed in a lawsuit, arguing that the subpoenas seeking records from Deutsche Bank and Capital One were unlawful and unconstitutional. Ramos also concluded the subpoenas have a legitimate legislative purpose and dismissed one-by-one arguments made to try to bury them, uh, though he conceded that the records released publicly could cause Trump and his family irreparable harm. Excuse me? So the release of the information could cause the president and his family irreparable harm. Isn't that amazing? But so what, right? And isn't that the purpose of all this? The lawyers for the House Financial Services and Intelligence Committees say they need access to documents from the banks to investigate possible foreign influence in the U.S. political process and possible money laundering from abroad. This is is so outrageous. By the way, this Katie Hill Democrat from Irvine, California, big, uh, she was a lawyer, a law professor of sorts, a Bernie Sanders fan. She got elected as a moderate Democrat 
in Irvine, California, which is a heavily Republican area. What a bunch of dummies to vote for this woman. What a bunch of morons to vote for this woman. Woman. Now she's on TV. She goes on Fox. She pretends she's a moderate. She's a fraud. And we're going to keep an eye on all the frauds. Like Ms. Hill. Katie Hill. Keep it up, Katie. You're going to be a one-termer. You go back to law school. So this judge says that it could do irreparable harm to the president and his family. But no problem. Deutsche Bank has lent Trump's real estate company millions of dollars over the years. So what? When Ramos finished reading aloud a lengthy ruling, he asked Trump's lawyer, Patrick Strawbridge, if he would appeal. It's probably a safe bet, Strawbridge responded. The judge then noted that, I mean, what kind of a judge is this? Of course they were going to appeal. Besides, he's an Obama judge. The judge then noted that both sides had agreed that the subpoenas would not require response for another week, giving Trump, his family, and his companies time to appeal. Well, that's nice, Judge. You're going to let them appeal? That's very kind of you. The hearing falls two days after a judge in Washington, another Obama judge, if the article was written accurately, a second Obama-appointed federal judge in Washington ruled against Trump in a similar case, finding the president cannot block a House subpoena for information from a financial services firm that had done accounting work for him and the Trump organization. So two Obama judges have dutifully ruled that the president must provide Congress with all his bank information and all of his financial information, in addition to any notes and texts and emails between the president and his accounting firm. Comes a day while they go on. So I want you to think about that. And as I said the other night on TV and I said behind this microphone, the Democrats are creating a precedent that will destroy themselves. All these Democrats wanting to run for president, they and their wives and their children are going to be examined in ways that they've never been examined before. This is what the Democrats do. They always go too far. Filibustering judges... And now the Republicans pulled the nuclear option following up on Harry Reid. Now they're pushing judges through. Open borders claiming there is no disaster on the border, which they've stopped saying, by the way. There is a disaster on the border. By the way, this moderate Democrat Katie Hill from Irvine, California, says the impeachment case is perfectly laid out in the Mueller report. That's your moderate Democrat, Irvine, California. All right, Mr. Producer, write her down. Katie Hill, she's first on the list. She's first on the list. She's a complete fraud. She's a Bernie Sanders sycophant, a liberal Democrat. I believe she was a law school professor. She lied to the people in and around Irvine, California. And uh, she's all for impeachment. She voted for uh, Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House. She already lied to all the people in Irvine, California. And so uh, she's on the list. At least on the list right now. 
So we have these federal judges. And of course, they're sacrosanct too. It's only the president and the presidency that has to give in, that has to accommodate what all the other branches want to do. Have you noticed that? We have the New York State Legislature has approved a bill that authorizes the release of President Trump's state tax returns to Congress. What kind of a bill is this? This is outrageous. So you have a state legislature that sits for the purpose of of assisting the Democrat Party? They're all working together, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Democrat Party operation. You've got Democrats on the bench that Obama appointed. You've got a Democrat state legislature in New York, as blue as it gets. You've got Democrat chairmen who are absolutely radical, not a moderate among them. All working together. All colluding, if you will, to try and take down the President of the United States. Andrew Cuomo will sign it. Well, of course, the man has no morals or ethics. Anybody that would sign an infanticide bill and then get cheered. The New York Daily News reports Democrats in the state assembly approved a bill authorizing the State Department of Taxation and Finance to share tax return information with congressional committees if requested. The bill amends state laws prohibiting the release of private tax information and does not mention the president by name. So you were prohibited from releasing tax information before, but now in one case with one citizen of New York, the president of the United States, they can release the tax. How much longer are we going to put up with this crap? A complete breakdown of the rule of law in the name of the rule of law. A complete breakdown. And these phony legal analysts on TV... Play games. Lie. This is part of the problem, is it not? Why did I write this book for this very reason, Unfreedom of the Press? It says it right on the back of the jacket. Bears remembering that the purpose of a free press, like the purpose of free speech, is to nurture the mind, communicate ideas, challenge ideology, share notions, inspire creativity, advocate and reinforce America's founding principles. That is, to contribute to a vigorous, productive, healthy, and happy individual and well-functioning civil society and republic. And the media are to expose official actions aimed at squelching speech and communication. But when the media function as a propaganda tool for a single political party and ideology... They not only destroy their own purpose, but threaten the existence of a free republic. It is surely not for the government to control the press, and yet the press is not capable of policing itself. We must remember, we're not merely observers. We are the citizenry. Mark Lovin. me i'm reading these comments during the break on amazon i want to thank you serious folks verified purchasers who who purchased the book five stars i'm honored and it's very important that i read these too because you see i spent over 12 years of my life writing this book weekends nights holidays whenever i could and i always wonder 
an author always wonders how it's going to be received. And this book is being received <clears throat> in the way that liberty and tyranny was received. And I don't know what that means in the end, but apparently there's a groundswell for the book. I suspect, and I mean this, in a week or two we're going to see from Amazon available in two weeks, which drives me nuts when that happens. Because that means that not enough books were ordered and not enough books were printed. And I'm getting a little nervous about that right now. So if you want to jump in, seriously, I'm not kidding. You might want to jump in now. And those of you over the weekend and the holidays, you're going to Walmart or Costco, wherever you're going to purchase your your food for a barbecue or what have you, uh, the book should be there too. A recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever even though lack of sleep ruins your performance and impacts your relationships. So it's time to improve every aspect of your life by getting the best sleep of your life on brand new set of Bowl and Branch sheets, which is what we have now. The softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to Bowl and Branch, and they're the only sheets loved by three United States presidents. All their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels, are made the right way, not the easy way. These are naturally derived products made with the highest level of craftsmanship, and every purchase comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. I mean, that's incredible. Get $50 off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping, at BowlingBranch.com with promo code MARK. That's BowlingBranch.com, promo code MARK. For $50 off, BowlingBranch.com, B-O-L-L, and Branch.com. Important to put the promo code mark so you get the best deal. Well, as you probably heard, Michael Avenatti, the lawyer, at least previously for Stormy Daniels, has been charged again with misappropriating nearly $300,000 from his former client, Stormy Daniels. You know, folks, I want you to think back six, seven, eight months ago. Was there a CNN show or an MSNB show and the rest of them that didn't have Michael Avenatti on repeatedly? He was on Meet the Press. He was on This Week. He was on the Sunday shows. The media knew nothing about this man's background. The media didn't even take the time to look into this man's background because he had already been sued by one of his partners. He stole money from his partner. He stole money from his law firm. He has stolen money from his clients. And now he stole money from Stormy Daniels. Now, I want you to think about this. You and I don't, didn't know Michael Avenatti except for the fact that he was pushed into our faces by the media. And there are two media outlets in particular that would bring him on repeatedly, and that is MSNBC and CNN. The major networks also gave him an enormous amount of coverage. Enormous amount of coverage. But CNN and MSNBC, it almost seemed daily, dozens of times, this slip and fall slime ball was on their programs. Why? Because he was particularly smart, why? 
because he was trashing the president of the United States. That's why. It didn't matter that he was a sleazeball. It didn't matter that they didn't know anything about his background. They certainly weren't going to vet him. He was the last shiny object that they would wave in front of the American people. He even said he would become or announce for president of the United States, and some of the media figures were very excited about it. Will they apologize at CNN? Of course not. Will they apologize at MSNBC? Of course not. Will they apologize at any of the networks? Of course not. I mean, hell, the New York Times barely even accepts the fact or has explained the fact that they covered up the Holocaust. Do you really expect them to apologize for Michael Avenatti? Is this not the point that we can't get the facts? That we can't get the real news? Look what we've been faced with in recent recent months. Two and a half years of a phony Russia collusion story where the media participated in the police state tactics of senior Obama administration officials. An absolute disgrace. And I will now state emphatically that we had federal judges serving as FISA court judges who also threw in with the police state tactics of the senior level of the FBI and the senior level of the intelligence agencies. What else explains the fact that now one of these judges has reconvened their court for the purpose of holding anyone in contempt? And they push these people on us. They push these people on us because they know what they're going to say. They bring in the most radical, disgraceful professors that say the most outrageous things about the president. You look at MSNBC, starting with that clown Joe Scarborough and his clown wife. That's right, I said it. Look what they say every day. Look what they do every day. In tandem, like two rockets dancing across the stage. And they say they're defending freedom of the, spe- uh, of the press. They're defending freedom of the press? They're the unfree press. We believe in freedom of the press. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 
Whether you've got a five-mile commute or you're road-tripping across the country, you want to feel secure behind the wheel, right? Well, that's why you need extended vehicle protection from CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay higher repair bills. I mean, we have a Camaro 2010 with a significant number of miles on it, and we have CarShield. It's a fair, affordable service. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Now call their new toll-free number, 800-CAR-6000. Make sure you mention code LEVIN. That's 800-CAR-6000. Mention code LEVIN. Or you can go online and visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you're going to save 10%. That's a good deal. 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com. Use code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply. Jeff, Longview, Texas, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Mr. LEVIN, it is truly an honor, and I will tell you, today was a great day. I received your book via Amazon, and I'll put it up there with my first bicycle and Christmas every year. Aren't you kind? (laughs) Thank you, sir. And I'll tell you one thing. Unfortunately, I've only been able to get through the first chapter, but you noted a report that was done by The Atlantic about the relationship between the Obama administration and the uh, media. And you named by name and department where the appointments went almost two dozen people. It boggled my mind. It's incredible. Who worked for Obama, and now they're back into the media. Yes. And we're supposed to believe that they're going to be objective. But this is why you hear these attacks on the president in the celebration and praise of an AOC a defense of a Talib who is a, a bigot and an anti-Semite, same with Omar. This is why the reflection in the media mirror is that of the Democrat Party. And not just the Democrat Party, the radical progressive activist wing of the Democrat Party. And as you read the rest of the book, I think your eyes are going to open even wider, almost like Nancy Pelosi's. I look forward to it, sir, and thank you for all that you do. God bless you. And you too, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's take a few more calls here. Am I caught up here, Mr. Producer, or not? I'm in good shape. Let's go to Kyle, Roanoke, Virginia, on the Mark Levin app. Go! How you doing, Mark? Good, thank you. Um, I just wanted to get get your thoughts on, uh, back in November 2016, you did a um, show about whether Trump was going to be more like Reagan or Nixon. And uh, I think the way the Democrats have treated him kind of takes the point home that he's definitely more like Reagan. Yeah, as I recall, what I said is the president's going to need to make a choice, and he's made a choice. He is more like Reagan, much more like Reagan. It's one of the reasons I really appreciate him. Um. No, Trump's getting the Trump treatment. I've never seen any president get this treatment. I lived through the Nixon era, too, and he was brutalized. 
But what's taking place here, totally innocent man who hasn't done anything wrong. And these people are trying to get a hold of his tax returns. And all. I mean, these, these are the tactics of a, of a fascistic state. This is what the third world does. And I think it's fair to say, and I think some others have said this over the course of a period of time, uh, we have not had a peaceful transition of power. You know, the Democrats say, look how we have a peaceful transition of power. I don't mean that people are armed and there's bullets flying. This has not been a peaceful transition of power. The Democrats have not wanted a transition of power. The media have not wanted a transition of power. So now we have Democrat Obama judges who are upholding the most outrageous subpoenas under phony claims of legislative need that their fellow Democrats are issuing as chairman of these committees. And we have these dark blue states, these Democrat states, doing everything they can to serve the impeachment purpose, too. I am telling you, it's not a conspiracy. It's a fact. It's a fact of what's occurring. You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see it and hear it and all the rest of it. All right, my friend, Kyle, I appreciate your call, my friend. Tim, Rochester, New York, Mark Levinap, go. Yes, sir. Yes, go right ahead. Thank you. Man, Mark, I got to tell you, this is such an honor to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. A couple, just just a quick point I wanted to make. I live upstate New York. I'm a millennial. I pay my taxes and take care of my family, and I'm a hard- Oh, you pay taxes? Well, guess what? Your private tax returns may not be private anymore. I'm telling you, the precedent is being set here that if Congress has individuals that they believe are enemies or threats or whatever they want, any pretext... And these clown judges who are making these rulings, I don't think they understand that they can be subjected exactly to the same treatment. Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is very, very wealthy. I mean, are her decisions influenced by her wealth? And, and you can see how this tactic just brings down the, uh, the nature of a civil society. Anyway, go ahead, Tim. Well, you, you know, I, I truly believe that, that eventually so these people are going to start being held accountable. Pelosi, Nadler... I mean, how, how long can these people look, look right in the face of Americans and lie? And I don't know. Them? How long has Maduro hung on there? Now, obviously, they're not the same, but, uh, but tyranny in, comes in different forms, doesn't it? Uh, well, you make, you make a great point. But, uh, hey, look, I appreciate everything you do. Tim, have you acqu- No, don't be nervous about this. Have you acquired a copy of Unfreedom of the Press yet? I have not, sir. No, sir. Don't hang up. It's your lucky day. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. You promise after you read it to pass it on to somebody else? Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Don't hang up. We're going to take your address. I want this to spread like common sense spread with Thomas Paine. That's how much I want this book to spread. You know, a dear friend of mine who was in the book business, my former editor, who was retired, He's looking at all this, and he's saying to me, Mark, just keep pressing your mission. Just keep pressing your mission, which is to get this book and what's in this book into as many hands as possible. And he's a fairly liberal gentleman, but he's a gentleman, and he's a smart guy. He said, I know how passionate you are about this. I know how much this matters to you. Just explain the mission and get it into as many hands as you possibly can. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Let's go to Lem, Cambridge, Maryland, XM Satellite. How are you? 
Fine, thank you. How are you this evening, Mr. Levin? All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for everything you do. If it wasn't for you and Sean Hannity, we probably wouldn't know one-tenth of what's going on with we, the people's government. Well, thank you, and Sean's terrific. Absolutely. Um, I just have a question, and I wanted your thoughts on it. I was speaking with my wife briefly a little bit ago about maybe sending a letter to Nancy Pelosi asking for the last five years of her federal tax returns and sending it certified mail under the Freedom of Information Act. If you thought maybe here, here, Here's the problem. The FOIA doesn't apply to Congress. It doesn't. And under, under uh, the uh, Internal Revenue Code, Section 6103, they're not free to release private tax returns to you. See, this is, this is the scam. So um, there's got to be a way, but I, there ought to be a drumbeat, more and more of us demanding that Nancy Pelosi release, number one, 10 years of her tax returns with her husband, Paul. Number two, all of her bank records. And number f- three, all of her financial information that is kept with her accountant. All three things. We should be demanding it over and over again. Every conservative talk show host should be doing it. I don't know where the hell they are. Everybody on TV should be doing it. Every columnist should be doing it. We need a drumbeat. We need to, to, to alert the American people, to engage the American people in what's taking place here. We cannot rely on the media to do what needs to be done. I agree 100%. All right. Take care of yourself, Lem. I appreciate it. Let's go to Jim. Brooklyn, New York, that great WABC, by the way. You got a great morning show there. There's a lot of great shows. But Bernie and Sid are buddies of mine. And they are hilarious. They are hilarious. Like I said, there's a lot of great programs out there, and I've been on many of them, and I'm so fortunate to have affiliates like I do. Just that I've known them a long time. Go right ahead. Jim, you're on. Go, baby. Mark, thank you for taking my call. You got it. I want to thank you for everything that you've educated me and all the people that I talk to about the Constitution of the United States. First, I'd like to say that there's schmuck and schumer, and there's a putty face um, Pelosi. Uh oh. Okay. Um,. My fam, my family, my father was born in Italy. He came mm-hmm. to this country in 1921. My mother's family were Romanian Jews that came to this country in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, Jacob, played klasma music. You know klasma? Mm, of course. Okay, if you look up klasma music, you'll see my grandfather and his brothers they were one of the first plasma music players in the United States. How about that? That's very Jacob, cool. Jacob Boogage, B-O-O-G-I-C-A. We're going to run out of time. Okay. Well, listen, I want to say this. In fact, I got 30 you've, seconds. You've educated us. Here's the problem in this country right now. And I want to thank your screen caller because he grew up in the same name. 20 seconds. Come on now, Jim. Get to your point. The people in this country are uneducated. They have no they have no clue about the Declaration of Independence and they have no clue about the Constitution of Well, let me just say this cuz I have to go, Jim. The more and more people who come into this country 
who do not speak English, who are not assimilated into our country, are never going to understand the Constitution and its nuances and the Declaration and its principles, particularly when they hear day in and day out how this country sucks and how we need to go forward and forget about our past. This is a huge, huge problem in this country, as is public education. Maybe I'll tackle that one next, but first things first. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Reminder, I will be on Shannon Bream's show at about 11.10 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 minutes after 11, which makes it, let me do my quick math, 8.10 p.m. Pacific Time. So I'll stay up a little later, and I hope you folks will watch. We'll have a lot of fun. I believe she's a very, very nice lady. You know, I hear all these Democrats talk about how much better the European health care model is. But is it? In England right now, a patient with a doctor's referral for cancer treatment will wait at least 62 days. At least, that's the minimum, 62 days just to start treatment. Since we know that treating cancer in the earliest stages gives the patient the best chance of beating it, would you want your loved one to wait more than two months before they can even begin treatment? Does that sound like a better idea to you? Worse, Brits may not even have access to the latest cancer drugs because their government-run system dictates what they'll pay for, even if they'll cover a new treatment. And yet, HHS Secretary Alex Azar seems to have a crush on this system. Why does he want to import a European healthcare system with ration care and long waiting lists? And why is he pushing socialist drug price controls and changes to Medicare that would deny seniors access to the latest and best treatments? Why do we want that here when it's not working there? Now, I know... It's competition and transparency that'll work, not one-size-fits-all mandates and price controls. So why is Secretary Azar still pushing socialist solutions? Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Allen, Chattanooga, Tennessee, the great WTOW, Go! Good morning, or good afternoon, sorry there. Uh, Thank you, Honored to speak with you, first of all. And I would like to say your book is very important, and there, um, there are many other books that are important as well to in preventing this country from entering back into a civil war. If you look at the, the, the rhetoric that's being thrown around, all the propaganda that's being pushed out there by the media is very akin to what was done in Nazi Germany before Hitler came to power, or as he was coming to power, where they... I, 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 I don't know about Nazi Germany, <clears throat> but I will tell you this. I think the, the language by political leaders and by media elites is very dangerous. I think the things they've said about the President of the United States, that he's corrupt, that he's in a cover-up, that he thinks he's a dictator. Uh, when you hear the Joe Scarborough show... When they talk about him being like Hitler, a neo-Nazi, uh, they bring on a guy like uh, Danny uh, Douche, who uh, says the most outrageous things, one person after another. He's a racist. He's a white supremacist, on and on and on and on. I very much fear that they're going to unleash their kook base and somebody's going to do something terrible. I really hope I'm wrong. But you saw what happened in, uh, in Virginia two years ago on the baseball field. 
Thanks for your call, sir. I mean, I'm really concerned about it. Apparently the media are not. They're perfectly fine. Ray Livermore, California, the great KSFO. Go. The great one, Denali. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Books and congratulations on the new book. And, well, thank um, you. Do you think uh, this uh, latest uh, revelation about Stormy Avenatti will hurt his presidential run? Stormy Avenatti? No, I don't think so. Uh, if they think he can beat Trump, I'm sure the uh, the conga line of left-wing kooks on MSNBC and uh, CNN will get behind him, so to speak. Well, there already was one that George Costanza on CNN has been behind him. Is he the Larry Fine of CNN? I, I don't remember. Stelter? I think he's the Larry Fine of uh, CNN. <laughs> uh, I, but I, I did call about uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Speaker of the House. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how she uh, is creating and living in an alternate reality. Mm. And and she suspects or probably assumes that the people who listen to her are just a bunch of parroting dingbats and dummies. No, no, she's talking to, well, you're right. She's talking to the media. And then she expects the media to, to move the message out. And since it's really a, a, a monopolistic media mentality in places like San Francisco and the other cities. Uh, she knows that there will be no diversity of viewpoints. There'll be no challenge. There'll be nothing. So she makes these statements. It's uh, the media in San Francisco and so much of the rest of the country and so much of the national media. They'll write down what she says. You know, it's like uh, it's, it, 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 they'll just write down what she says and repeat it uh, and, uh, when, in order to promote it. You know, when you do your campaign there that you, you talked about uh, earlier, show pictures of San Francisco, the places where Democrats run. I don't have to. They're all over the place. Yeah, the, the places that they've owned and operated. If you hear any stories about... But Ray, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I said. I'm not interested in campaigns in San Francisco. I'm interested in campaigns in districts that are marginally Republican, that Democrats won claiming to be moderates, saying they wanted to help their people saying they want to dislodge Pelosi. They've lied across the board. I can't move Pelosi out of San Francisco. That's not what I'm doing. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, bro. 
Broadcasting from, from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Steve Cohen is one of many court gestures up there in the Democrat caucus in the House of Representatives. You remember me, him? He's the fried chicken guy. And when he's gone from the house, when he's gone from the good green earth, that's what he'll be remembered for. He'll be the fried chicken guy. Anyway, Steve Cohen is on Capitol Hill, roaming around like a homeless person. And Kerry Pickett, who is a great reporter, she confronts him. Now, I know she doesn't work for CNN or MSNBC or the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or all the rest of it. She works for the Daily Caller, as I recall. She's a real reporter. Let's listen to this exchange. Cut 15, go. I know that Democrats look at this as obstruction of justice as the crime itself, but what exactly is the underlying crime? There doesn't need to be an underlying crime. That's a very special interpretation of the law by Bill Barr that he did particularly for Donald Trump, but he probably had it before, but it's a very minority opinion. There doesn't need to be an underlying crime to commit obstruction of justice. I think the color report pretty much lays that out, but the law lays it out. So then what exactly is the president obstructing? He was trying to obstruct the investigation. He tried to obstruct the uh, trying to obstruct Congress's oversight right now. It's pretty clear. So then couldn't Republicans have made the same argument about Eric Holder during Fast and Furious? Or, I think they did. And so they could have impeached Eric, um, Barack Obama during that period? I'm not going to get a legal discussion with you. You went to law school, go to law school. Wow, how rude is that? Fried chicken man. I'm not going to get into a legal discussion with you. You want to go to law school? Go to law school. Well, she asked a perfectly legitimate question. Eric Holder was held in contempt. Barack Obama asserted executive or presidential privilege. Same thing, effectively. And she's saying, okay, well, is that obstruction? Was he covering up? How come he didn't move to impeach Obama? And then he goes, I'm not going to get into a legal discussion with you. You want to go to law school? Go to law school. I'm going to Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I want to congratulate the Tennessee district from which this Neanderthal comes from. I'm sure he's a great representative. I'm sure he's a great representative. Now I want to turn to something else, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Joe Biden is getting a free ride. He's getting a free pass. I mean, if his name had been Trump, you know they'd be all over him. They'd certainly be all over his wonderful son, Hunter. With all his connections to the Ukraine and his foreign activities and the zillions of dollars he's made as daddy's little son. But his name is Biden, so they need to prop him up. But I want to remind you of the real Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a hater. He tried to destroy Robert Bork. He tried to destroy Clarence Thomas. He tried to destroy numerous nominees who were in front of his committee. He's also a complete idiot. He's a plagiarist. He lied in college. 
And he's never served in the private sector, to the best of my knowledge. And yet he's Mr. Blue Collar Man. How is that? How is he Mr. Blue Collar Man? He, he went to law school. He was elected to local office. Then he got elected to the Senate. Then he's elected vice president. He's Mr. Blue Collar. But he's helped out the blue collar workers. How so? Tell me, blue collar workers. How'd you do under Obama Biden? Not so great. How you doing under Trump? Much better. So how is it that he can wear this moniker, blue collar? It's because he wants to wear it. That's why. Blue collar Joe. They used to call him lunch bucket Joe until I got on the air and said, this man has never carried a lunch bucket in his life. And then he announced, no, I'm not lunch bucket Joe. He's not. He's a sellotrain Joe. He's on the sellotrain all the time. I know I bumped into him by accident. Anyway, we want to remind you who Joe Biden is, since he's leading in the Democrat Party. I don't know what to call it. It's a primary. It looks like a, uh, I don't know what it is. So many of them. And they're all so cool. Biden gaffes montage that we put together. Others have used. They're welcome to. Listen carefully and enjoy. Cut 17, go. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school. And but I understand every one of these things is a lie. Go ahead in my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast liberal state. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. Uh, uh, Chuck Graham, state senator, is here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter <laughs> word, jobs, J-O-B-S. By the way, do you know the website? You know, I'm embarrassed. You know the website number? I, uh, you know, I should have it in front of me, and I don't. I'm, I'm, right. I'm actually embarrassed. The Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in, uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive <laughs> as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I got to get this straight. Well, I say they're going to start to see unemployment grow uh, this spring. You mean employment? Uh, it's going to take uh, employment. North America is going to be, for the first half of the century at least, the epicenter of energy in the world. North America, Mexico, the United States, and China. <laughs> the problem with my gas is they're usually true. <laughs> <coughs> uh, 
This idiot, seriously? Can you imagine if this guy were a Republican, you know, much like Mitt Romney? What they would do to him? They'd be talking about low IQ, that he needs a mental examination, he's unhinged. They'd be going on on it. But no, it's Joe Biden. It's lunch bucket, blue-collar Joe. Joe Biden has been a welfare case his entire life. You and I have been paying his salary. We've been paying his medical care. We've been paying his pension. We've been paying his, his train trips back and forth from Wilmington on the Acela train. The kosher hot dog he probably gets on the train. We've been paying for this guy his whole life. Senator, then vice president of the United This guy doesn't know how to create a private sector job. Period. And then he talks about Trump being a man of privilege. Man of privilege. You've been on welfare, brother. You've been on the public dole your entire life. Donald Trump's been a businessman. Low points, high points. He's created jobs and mostly blue-collar jobs. Men and women who build buildings and stuff. And you put him down. You say, everything he's got, he inherited it. Okay, he wasn't born poor. Who cares? His father was successful. That's good. And his father taught him how to even be more successful. And he's more successful than his father was. Now, I can point to the skyline that that Trump changed. I can't point to anything that Joe Biden has done. Nothing. Nothing. And so, uh, blue-collar Joe... Don't fall for that, Pennsylvania. I'm a Pennsylvanian. Don't fall for that crap. Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. This guy's no more blue-collar than than Barack Obama was. But he's a union guy. No, he goes to union meetings. He talks to union guys. He talks to their leadership. Not a union guy. He's a big government guy. He just said he supports the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal will kill off any private sector unions that are left, let alone private sector employment by blue-collar workers, period. Don't you understand? It's aimed at destroying our assembly lines, our smokestack industries. It's aimed at destroying our trucking businesses, our train businesses. Oh, yes, the Acela, gone. I have never understood. I've never understood how the Democrat Party gets away with supporting radical economic change like the Green New Deal, and on the other hand, they claim they support blue-collar jobs. The environmentalists hate blue-collar workers. They despise blue-collar workers. Ask them in the oil patch. Ask them in the coal mines. Ask them. Ask them on the assembly lines. Ask the truckers what they had to put up with. These are blue-collar workers. Ask the fishermen, the commercial fishermen, The Green New Deal is at war with blue-collar workers. It'll kill the housing market. That's construction. Roofers, electricians, plumbers, bricklayers, on and on and on. Out of work. So how can you support a Bernie Sanders type of job? But he's a moderate. He's no moderate. How's he a moderate? He just embraced Medicare for all, which means Medicare for nobody. He's embraced the radical immigration policies. How does that help blue-collar America? You know, I dubbed Donald Trump several years ago 
the blue-collar billionaire, and somebody else picked it up. Look at him. That's right. It's a blue-collar billionaire. Aren't we the first, Mr. Producer? I said he's a blue-collar. He's the blue-collar billionaire. And he really is. He sounds like a working guy. He sounds like the guy in the neighborhood, at least the neighborhood I grew up in. There's no pretension with the man. Pretensions. There's no uh, affectation. He speaks plainly. He's understandable. He is what he is. And by the way, that's one of the reasons the phony white-collar types in the unfree media trash the president of the United States. Because he's too much like a blue-collar guy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, I hesitate to do this with politicians, but we are scheduled to have Ted Cruz on the program at about 8.40 Eastern Time. Ever hear Jim Ruttenberg? Rutenberg, he was a correspondent for the New York Times, and then he became a columnist. And this always amazes me, how news people become columnists. They just changed their name. I want to read you something. He wrote a piece and he asserted that if you're a journalist who despises Trump, and this, of course, is in unfreedom of the press, as I dug deeply to find these various illustrations, he asserts that if you are a journalist who despises Trump, as so many in the Democratic Party press do, and consider him some kind of a threat to the nation, you can hardly be expected to report objectively about him. On August 7, 2016, Rutenberg of the Times explained the mindset at the newspaper and the media at large. Here's what he wrote. And this is just in part. If you're a working journalist and you believe that Donald J. Trump is a demagogue playing to the nation's worst racist and nationalistic tendencies, that he cozies up to anti-American dictators and that he would be dangerous with control of the United States nuclear codes, how the heck are you supposed to cover him? If you believe all those things, you have to throw out the textbook American journalism has been using for the better part of the past half century, if not longer, and approach it in a way you've never approached anything in your career. So he's giving advice to his fellow so-called journalists. If you view a Trump presidency as something that's potentially dangerous, then your reporting is going to reflect that. You would move closer than you've ever been to being oppositional that's uncomfortable and uncharted territory for every mainstream non-opinion journalist i've ever known and by normal standards untenable but the question that everyone is grappling with is do normal standards apply and if they don't what should take their place it may not always seem fair to mr trump or his supporters But journalism shouldn't measure itself against any one campaign's definition of fairness. It is journalism's job to be true to the readers and viewers and true to the facts in a way that will stand up to history's judgment. To do anything less would be untenable. Now, that's not the entire piece, but that's the gist of it. So in other words, in order to uphold journalistic standards, writes the former New York Times correspondent, now columnist, you need to recognize Trump as the devil, 
and you need to treat him as the devil. And as I write at the end of the book, the very end of the book, the abandonment of objective truth and worse, the rejection of the principles and values of America's early press and revolutionaries is not new for the New York Times. It long predates the Trump presidency, and it has led the Times and other media outlets into very bleak and dark places, destructive of the press as a crucial institution for a free people. If newsrooms and journalists do not act forthwith and with urgency to fundamentally transform their approach to journalism, which sadly is highly unlikely, their credibility will continue to erode and may well reach a point soon where it is irreparably damaged with a large portion of the citizenry, and rightly so. The media will not only marginalize themselves, but they will continue to be the greatest threat to freedom of the press today. Not President Trump or his administration, but the current practitioners of what used to be journalism. And the final paragraph of the book. Therefore, as I said at the opening, this book is intended to, among other things, jumpstart a long overdue and hopefully productive dialogue among the American citizenry on how best to deal with the complicated and complex issue of the media's collapsing role as a bulwark of liberty, the civil society, and republicanism. Levinites out there, patriots all, that's what I'm counting on. That we use unfreedom of the press as a pamphlet, as the colonists would have, and you being the pamphleteer and spreading the word, reading the book and spreading the word from one household to the next, from one neighborhood to the next, from one community to the next. Just like our, our colonists, forebears did. I know of no other way to begin a process where we can find future Thomas Paines, future Thomas Jeffersons. But spreading the word, pushing the ideas like the early printers and pamphleteers did on freedom of the press. I'll be right back. Plastic conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. By the way, I want to thank everybody who's written some very, very kind things, reviews uh, about uh, unfreedom of the press. I want to thank all the citizenry that's gone on Amazon that's actually purchased the book and has read it or most of it and have put five stars and have commented there. You may want to check it out to your fellow citizens commenting. I'm very proud of this book, but I'm more proud of you folks. I really am. I really am. Have you ever asked yourself just how can I live a virtuous life? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Now, Hillsdale College President, the great Larry Arne, argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean. Nicomachean, Mr. Producer. And it's a book about ethics, where Aristotle presents a guide for securing such a virtuous life. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the primary obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. 
Now, this new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings with you, and it can help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. If you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change and for the better. And you can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, let's go to our callers. See who's out there. One moment, please. Let us go to Don St. Augustine, Florida, the great WBOB. W, Bob, go. Hey, 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 Mark. I want everybody this weekend, a Memorial Day weekend, to remember with some certain credulity or incredulity over, and I'm not going to call him Blue Collar Joe. He's Yellow Belly Joe. He took five draft deferments from 1960 to 1968 in order for him not to go into the military. It took him 8.7 years to get his undergrad and his legal degree. And then he still claimed that he had asthma when he was a teenager playing football in high school, yet he still played Division One football at the University of Delaware. So remember. So you're saying he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a coward. He's a number of things. He's not the tough guy that wanted to go out and kick Donald Trump's ass, as I recall, in a couple of mm. um, debates. Well, when I saw him on the train, I, I mean, the guy looks a little feeble to me, and I'm not kidding. He looks feeble. Yeah. He looks older than he is, quite frankly. Yeah, feeble-minded, feeble body. It all goes together. Thanks. All right. You take care of yourself. Let's continue, shall we? Let's go to Tom Penrose, Colorado, the great KVOR. Go. What an honor it is to speak with you, Mark. I'm going to make this too. brief. I know you're pressed for time. I just want to give you my... Why do you think I'm I pressed think... for time? Well, you said... Uh, I'm not minutes. going anywhere. Go right ahead. Well... <laughs> Uh, I think that the reason that they're treating Trump the way they are, both Republican and Democrat, Democrat being the most vicious, is the simple fact that he's an outsider and they don't like it. And they're not going to let an outsider have a second chance ever. This will be the only time that you and I will probably ever see in our lifetime that they're going to let an outsider come in and take over what they've this beautiful realm that they've built. Uh, amongst themselves, for themselves. He's you know, definitely shaken up the place, isn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, everybody's somehow forgotten, and I never hear even Sean mention this, is that the man's not taken one cent so far. He's donated all his, his pay. Well, Sean may have mentioned last- it. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. But I think we've talked about it here. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has... Uh, left his multi-billion dollar business. He decides to run for president. And they talk about him like he's some kind of crook, and you're quite right. And I've said he's donated his salary to various government agencies and to private charities and causes. And let me ask you a question, Tom. Nancy Pelosi's very, very rich, thanks to her husband, Paul, and I want us to look into that. I'm asking about this. Um, How come she doesn't donate her salary? Well, because she's rich, and that's how they get rich. And they're, No, that's they, not how they get rich. The president donated his salary. How come she... I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because she doesn't believe in charity. 
because she's not of a of a good heart. Because if you really believe in charity, as I do, and you give significant amounts of money to charity, as I and some others do, it's not the same thing as the government giving money to somebody. And Nancy Pelosi feels that taking money from you, Tom, and giving it to somebody else and redistributing wealth is a substitute for charity. I am quite serious. We need her tax returns, 10 years worth, her and her big dummy husband. And we need to know about their bank accounts. And we need to know about their finances from their accounting firm. And we need to know if Nancy Pelosi has been self-dealing as Speaker of the House. We need to know if Nancy Pelosi has has any foreign influences that are affecting her decision to Speaker of the House. We need to know all these things, too. And if it's good enough for the president, it's good enough for the Speaker of the House. She's third in line to be president of the United States. And she's in charge of the spending bills and the taxing bills and the borrowing bills that come through the House of Representatives. Don't you find it interesting, Tom? I've been talking about this for months and not a single media outlet gives a damn. Well, they they do, but they're not going to let that venue escape out there and, and be a part of what they do. It's all That's about right. hurting him. They You're exactly right. They don't love our country. They couldn't love our country and do what they're doing. If they do, they have a funny way of showing it, don't they, Tom? Yes. Oh, a classic example of what they did this morning. They set that up, and he bit the hook, line, and sinker. Just before bit- that meeting, she tells him that he's got a cover-up. And he did mm-hmm. the exact same thing I would have done over and over and over. Of course. You can't sit down with people who are accusing you of crimes for political purposes. She's a reprobate. Let me repeat that so they can hear that all the little teenage leftists over there, mediaite and media matters. Nancy Pelosi is a reprobate. Thank you, my friend. Well, I don't call her the names that they call our president. I don't call her Hitler and Stalin and all the rest. Those are their terms. That's what they call our president. I just called her a reprobate. Because that's my opinion. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. CNN refuses to report on a legal alien serial killer allegedly murdering 12 elderly women in Texas, according to our friends at the Daily Wire. Why would CNN be hiding that? And look at this one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there's all kinds of cool things going out on liberaldom. Our friends at Breitbart, colleges offer black-only graduation ceremonies The National Association of Scholars revealed that at least 75 American colleges have black-only graduation ceremonies, and 43% of survey colleges offered segregated residential halls. We're going backwards, aren't we? While we're claiming to be going... Let's go forward! Let's pull down statues, let's let's forget about the, the slave owners who founded this country, and meanwhile they create segregated... Graduation ceremonies. 43% of survey colleges offered segregated residential halls. This is sick stuff. Sick stuff. Well, let's move on to another college, Yale. And our friend and our guest, Senator Ted Cruz, how are you, sir? Mark, my friend, I'm doing terrific. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very, very well. So tell me, you wrote a letter to Yale. What's going on at Yale? Well, Yale, a couple of months ago, announced a new financial aid policy, and it is a policy that is openly discriminatory. It discriminates against Christians. It discriminates against those who believe in traditional marriage and traditional sexual values. And, and, and the origin of this 
uh, begins with the group, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which you know is a public interest law firm that defends religious liberty. Uh, they argued the, the, the Colorado Baker case, the, 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 the Christian Baker in Colorado who did not want to be forced to celebrate a same-sex wedding, and, and he was persecuted, he was punished for those views, and he took the case to the Supreme Court, and he won. He won a victory mm-hmm. at the Supreme Court defending his religious liberty rights. Well, a lawyer from ADF was speaking on Yale's campus and, and talking about the Supreme Court victory that, that, that ADF had just won. And the LGBT group on Yale's campus, uh, a group called Outlaws, which is actually a pretty clever name, um, they, they did what, what college leftists do. They protest. They protested, and they demanded Yale change their policy. And what Yale announced is that – so Yale uh, pays summer stipends to Yale law students who work at a public interest law firm, and it has a loan repayment program. Yale graduates that work at a public interest law firm, and they announced that apply to absolutely everybody except for the, those Yale students that go and work at, at a Christian organization like ADF that believe in traditional marriage or, or tradi- traditional sexual values. And, and it is blatantly discriminatory, and so I am the chairman of the Constitution Subcommittee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and so I launched an investigation of Yale's uh, discrimination against people of faith, and and just this week sent Yale a demand for documents to get every one uh, of the emails, of the memos, of all the background correspondence in adopting this policy, because what I expected to reveal is is that this was driven out of an animus specifically for Alliance Defending Freedom, that they wanted to blacklist ADF, and they wanted to punish any Yale law students with the temerity to go and work uh, for that organization, and that among other things, uh, Yale receives vast amounts of federal funds, and, and federal civil rights laws prohibit discrimination against religious faith. And, and so we are going to investigate and shine a light and hopefully stop uh, this discriminatory policy. I'm glad you're doing this. This is very, very important. But, you know, there's a lot of repression and suppression going on on our college campuses, isn't it? I mean, whether it's Christians or Jews, whether it's conservatives, whatever it is, more and more these are like um, uh, they have a, like a monopolistic ideology that they teach, that they that they enforce absolute intolerance. What do you make of this? Well, you've got a bunch of disgruntled '60s radicals who, who have taken over colleges and universities, and there's so, many of them are socialists. And, and far leftists, and, and, and actually this, this, this really is a sign of fear and weakness on their part. They're afraid. They can't defend their ideas. And so instead, it, it, it's a sign of fear and weakness that they want to silence anyone who disagrees with them. You know, you and I both went to law schools where we had a lot of professors uh, who, who were leftists. I, I had a number of professors uh, who were open communists. And, and, and espoused communism would readily admit they were Marxists. Now, now look, as you know, my family uh, has suffered directly under communism. My family's been imprisoned and tortured by Fidel Castro's goons. My tia Sonia was imprisoned and tortured by Castro's goons. I take communism deadly seriously, and yet I was perfectly happy to take classes from communist professors because it's valuable to know what the other side thinks. The left doesn't doesn't think that way. They're afraid to defend their views, and 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 so they're trying to use power instead to silence 
their students. And, and the whole point of universities, especially law schools, is to learn to think, to learn to reason, to learn to defend your views, to, to defend them in what John Stuart Mill called called the marketplace of ideas. And, and mm-hmm. so I think it's incumbent on all of us to defend free speech and to stop this censorship and intolerance that we're seeing at colleges and universities. One more quick question. Uh, you and I have been around a while. I mean, I was chief of staff to an attorney general. You were a litigator for some period of time. Um, I represented the attorney general in the Iran-Contra matter uh, after he left office. I've dealt with these independent counsel. I see what Congress is. What, what do you make of all these subpoenas for private information from the president and all the claims that he's obstructing when he goes to court in order to defend the office of the presidency. Um, what do you, have you ever seen anything like this? And what do you make of this? Uh, you know, I think the, the, the anger and rage we see among congressional Democrats uh, is unprecedented. And, and they are consumed with hatred for President Trump. He can do nothing right in their minds. There is nothing good in this country. So we've got, uh, as a result of cutting taxes, as a re- result of repealing job-killing regulations, we've got the lowest unemployment in, in, in 50 years, the lowest African-American and Hispanic unemployment ever recorded. And yet congressional Democrats are listening to their left-wing base that just hates Donald Trump. And so I think the next two years, the Pelosi House is going to be nonstop investigations, nonstop subpoenas. And I think we're going to see them go after impeachment because it, it, it is a politics of hatred and vitriol and division. And sadly, the Democratic Party is moving further and further to the left, motivated by that hatred of the president. And there's no chance in hell the Senate's going to vote to remove the president of the United States. Zero point zero percent. But but. The facts don't matter. Look, you know, you, you, you watched the, the testimony a couple of weeks ago when Bill Barr came and testified mm-hmm. in the Senate Judiciary Committee. The, the position of the Democrats was utterly ludicrous. And, and they were screaming. They were impugning Barr's integrity. They were demanding that he resign. And, and their argument boiled down to this. When the Mueller report was submitted to Barr, he wrote a four-page summary of its conclusions and sent it to Congress. Bob Mueller at the time asked him to also send his 20-some-odd-page summary. I've got 30 seconds. I apologize. Go ahead. He didn't send it then, but he sent it three weeks later along with the entire damn report. And so the Democrats' (laughs) complaint is, you suppressed this summary, which I have in my hands and everyone can read. (laughs) If he was trying to suppress it, he's really lousy at it. That shows how weak their argument is. All right, Ted Cruz, keep it up, brother. God bless you. You too, thank you. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Constitutional crisis. Actually, you Democrats look like you're having a constipated uh, crisis, quite frankly. Well, look at Nancy Pelosi. Is that her normal look? Maybe it is. You've heard people say, I wish this double chin would just go away. Well, your wish is our command with Genesel's outrageous summer sale. Double chins, sagging jawlines, turkey necks are real problems until now. Introducing the new Genesel jawline treatment for- formulated with MDL technology. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas says, 
Put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. And several people told me my face looks young. And I'm blown away. Now, sure, you could pay an awful lot of money, get expensive, harsh treatments, and you might look younger. But why would you do all that? For this week only, get the Genesel jawline treatment absolutely free when you order the classic Genesel for bag, eye bags and puffiness. With its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or give us a call at 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And for a limited time, Chamonix will include a second surprise luxury gift for free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Reminder, I will be on the Shannon Bream Show on Fox at about 11, 10 p.m. Eastern, 8, 10 p.m. Pacific. I can only assume what we're going to talk about. There's a number of issues I believe she wants to talk about. And by the way, she's a very good lawyer and reporter. One of a handful, I might add. A very good lawyer and reporter. And I hope you will now, at the end of the program, rush over to Amazon.com on your cell phones or on your computer or whatever. Put in unfreedom of the press and get your copy so we can push this pamphlet out. That is my book, as if Thomas Paine would have. And I want to thank all of you who ordered it, and I want to salute all you heroes out there. And I'll see you in a little bit on Fox, and I'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you.